When you purchase a traditional video game, that game is ready to go right out of the box. You pop it into your console, you start playing, relaxing, enjoying yourself, and quite simply just having a good time. By contrast, when you purchase NFTs for a cryptocurrency or blockchain-based game, you might have to wait six months or even more to access a beta version of a game that doesn't offer a lot of functionality beyond simply pointing and clicking on the screen. This leads many people to ask the question, are NFT games really all that they're cracked up to be? That's the subject of today's video. Hey everyone and welcome back. This is the Part-Time Economist and in today's video we are going to be looking at the differences between traditional games and blockchain based games. Now, I started thinking about this topic after seeing a really interesting tweet that really pointed out some of the key differences between blockchain based games and traditional games. For example, when we buy a traditional game, right, we buy Halo, we buy Call of Duty, whatever game you like to play. I mean, even if you buy a checkers or chess set or Monopoly for that matter, you buy that game to have fun and to enjoy it. So if you get uh, Halo and instead of an awesome gameplay experience, they've got a lackluster interface, it's buggy, it's glitchy, you're taking that game back and you are getting your money back because the goal is to have fun and enjoy it. You don't care if you buy a set of checkers and then 10 years later you sell it at a garage sale for double the price. No one does that. The goal is to have fun, and therefore the companies that make these games have to produce a fun, enjoyable product if they want it to sell. By contrast, NFT games in many cases offer a very simplistic interface. If you look at even the leading blockchain-based games at this point, you will see that the interface and the actual gameplay is far behind even 80s era games like Super Mario Brothers. And in many cases, the gameplay is even less interesting than free Flash-based games that you can play online completely for free. So why do people invest into NFT games? There's the question. NFT games don't solely focus on delivering an enjoyable gameplay experience. With traditional games, we are all about the gameplay experience. We're not really trying to make a profit. With NFT games, we have two separate focuses. Number one, fun is a factor. But number two, and in my opinion, I think most people, is more important, the potential for profit. So with NFT games, you have a couple different distinguishing characteristics. So I want to explain what's going on with these NFT games. Number one, NFT games are different than traditional games in that you own, and I say that in quotes because there are some questions about the actual ownership of NFTs, but you own your assets. So if I play Halo, if I play even a car racing game, those cars, those armors, those power-ups, all of these things that I have in the game, they don't actually belong to me. I use them when I'm in the game, but they're just for me. By contrast, if I'm playing Alien Worlds or Splinterlands, those assets, the tools, the perks, the power-up, the weapons, the armor, all of these things that I use in the game, they're not actually stored with the game. They are stored in my cryptocurrency wallet. When I go to play the game, the game will read what items I have in my crypto wallet and it will make them available for me to use in the game, which is really cool and really groundbreaking because now I can use an item in the game, but because it actually belongs to me, I can sell that item on a cryptocurrency NFT market. So I can use it in the game, I can sell it. And on the surface, that's very revolutionary, it's very groundbreaking, and honestly, pretty cool. 
However, that definitely feeds into the profit motive for the game, because not only is this item that I have now something that I can use in the game, it is also something that I can sell for a price increase later on. So if the gameplay isn't that good, but I can buy these NFTs low and I can sell them high, then I still might be happy with the game. The second characteristic of NFT games is that they generally reward you with some kind of ongoing profit for engaging in the game. So if I play Splinterlands and I win a match, I get a little bit of cryptocurrency. If I mine on Alien Worlds, again, I get a little bit of cryptocurrency for doing that. So with NFT games, there's really two separate ways of making a profit. Number one, continual gameplay to earn those ongoing rewards, and number two, buying NFTs low, usually at a pre-sale, and then selling them as the game becomes more popular. So the measure of success for an NFT game isn't strictly limited to the gameplay experience, which in my opinion is why you see a lot of these NFT games that don't have a great gameplay experience because it's not really the primary focus. With NFT games, it's more a way of making money, and the idea here is that it's not going to be as fun as playing a traditional game, but it's also not going to be as miserable as traditional work. So let's say I'm earning $10 an hour playing a blockchain-based game versus $10 an hour working at a hardware store. Well, the idea is that I'm making equal amounts of money, but playing an NFT game, yes, it's not as fun as Call of Duty, but it's more fun than traditional work. So it's a worthwhile use of my time because I'm earning money, but I'm also having a small amount of fun with that. So, we've already established that NFT games aren't really as interesting from a gameplay perspective as a lot of the traditional games. What I'd really like to show is that in many cases, NFT games sometimes can fail to deliver on that monetization potential as well. And again, I want to point out I'm not criticizing any specific NFT games, but I think there's inherent flaws with the profitability of many NFT games. The reason behind that, well, I'll speculate on that later on. Let's go ahead and look at some of the prices. So with Splinterlands, one of the leading NFT games, we see that the price of their in-game token went up to about 86 cents before falling down to about 13 cents. If we look at Alien Worlds, this one was all the way up to, it looks like here, 677 is the highest, 693, and now it's about 10 cents. If we look at Aether, we can see a 98% drop. If we look at Colonize Mars, we see a 99.49% drop. So those are the in-game currencies. That's what you earn on an ongoing basis for playing the game. And you might say, well, even if that goes down, the NFTs, the tools, the assets that I have in the game, maybe they are going up as well. Not always the case. If we see here, Splinterlands, the Chaos Legion booster pack sale. All the way up here at $23, we're now sitting at $324 with, uh, let's see, what's this? This is Alien Worlds. We have made it all the way up to, it looks like $645, wow, $645, and now we're down to $144. If we check out Colonize Mars, one of their items, the Rover, again, we made it all the way up to about 119 Now we're down to 971 So massive losses, not just in the in-game currency that you earn for playing on an ongoing basis, but also the assets, those NFTs that you purchase to play the game. And this is the really interesting thing about NFT games. You... The amount that you can earn in a game isn't proportional necessarily to how skilled you are. 
there's a small element of skill in it, but I would argue that more importantly is how much you've invested into the game. For example, I first started playing Splinterlands, which was a blockchain-based card game. I did really well. I kept going up in the levels just based off my playing ability. Then they said, well, doesn't matter how many battles you win. You can't move up to the next league and get higher rewards unless you buy a certain amount of cards. So it wasn't so much your skill, but you had to have skill and you've got to make a certain minimum investment. The same thing with a lot of these games. If you play Alien Worlds, the amount that you win from each mine is a function of how powerful your tools are, Again, how much money you've invested into the game. So you have to invest continually more money into the game to make any semblance of a profit. This is where things start to get tricky because on the surface we would think we're going to invest money, we're going to make a profit, but here's where things get tricky. The only reason these NFTs have value is because for every seller, there has to be a buyer. Simple supply and demand economics there. So in order for me to have, if I've got a NFT for a game, the only way the value can go up is if someone wants to buy that from me. Now, there's only two reasons someone would want to buy that from me. Number one, they want to use it for the in-game experience. They want to play the game, in which case they will pay the price, they will purchase my NFT, and then they will play the game themselves. This would increase the demand and the price for my NFT. Since we've already established that a lot of the blockchain-based games don't have that awesome of a gameplay experience, rather what happens is people will buy the NFTs hoping that the price will go up. Again, it kind of sounds like speculation to me, not giving financial advice, but that's just what it seems like from my perspective. So as the price of these NFTs goes up, we've got to constantly have more people buying them. And If the team can't deliver that awesome gameplay experience, this is what we typically see. And again, it goes right back to the quote that I showed at the beginning of the video. With the NFTs, they will sell their initial run of NFTs to the public in many times when there is absolutely no working viable product or not even a demo of the product. So people are just hoping that I'm going to buy these NFTs early, the team can deliver a fantastic game, and then once the game gets popular... I've already bought these NFTs, the game is popular, everyone will want to play this game because it's so awesome, and I can sell my NFTs for a profit. Generally, as we see what happens with these blockchain-based games, the gameplay just doesn't pan out. They will push the deadlines, the deadlines will take longer to actually come to fruition, and then when the game is released, it's not at all what people were expecting. So people say, well, the team's failed to deliver, the game isn't fun, I'm going to just go ahead and sell recover what losses I can. Not only that, but when we look at NFT games, there's also the issue of how do we onboard new users. So if we do a pre-sale and we sell out of these NFTs and we find that we need more money to develop the game, how do we do this? This is where a lot of NFT games, and again, it's inherent to the structure of the games. Where they can get in trouble is they say, well, we need more money. We've already sold our initial round of NFTs. We've got to do a second sale. Now, here's the thing. In order to do a second sale, they've got to make the second sale more attractive to new investors than the first sale was. So a lot of times you'll see power creep, right? If the first generation of NFTs gave me 100 credits per hour, well, the second generation, they've got to give me more than 100 credits per hour, or I would just go and buy the old NFTs. So in order to get new people interested, you've got to give them a better deal than you gave the first group. And if you want the third group, well, you've got to give them a better deal than the second group. 
So we lead to a situation in which the NFTs, the power, they kind of continually devalue themselves to get new people into the game. The value of the assets goes down. Um, so it can get into a little bit of a cycle. I don't want to get into too much of the price mechanics because I can't 100% say why the price of these NFTs goes down other than it seems that pretty much every major NFT project, this happens time and time again. So a couple Generally, I think the main thing is that the gameplay experience, people get tired of waiting. They're like, hey, I've been waiting over a year to play this game and it hasn't worked out. I'm done. I'm getting out. And then also with the profit potential, this coin's going to get listed on this exchange. We're going to have a liquidity staking pool. Your NFTs will go up in value, right? They will say all these things. But remember, the only way that they can go up in value is if you constantly have new people buying into the system. And if the only reason people are buying in is the hope of an asset going up, obviously that's going to turn into a bubble. Now, on the flip side, if your game is actually developing, if it's becoming more interactive, if it's becoming awesome, then of course people will want to purchase the NFTs because you have an awesome game, right? And that's your admission ticket to play the game. It ultimately comes down to the fact that once these NFT projects have sold their initial lot of NFTs, they already have that money. If the game kind of fizzles out, and again, you can see here, I just want to go ahead and go back here. You can see that this, uh, for example, the Colonize Mars, the total value of transactions related to this, $11 million. Now, this didn't all necessarily go to the Colonize Mars team, right? Some of this is people trading among themselves, um, as far as I can tell, right? I'm not an expert on going through these analytics here, but still, that's a lot of money. Once that money has been generated, if the game fizzles out, the game fizzles out. You're just holding these worthless NFTs and hoping someone else will get them. So just kind of some of my thoughts here on NFTs um, in general, why there tends to be a difference. Because with these NFT-based games, you're not buying the game. You are buying the hopes, the dreams, the aspirations that the founding team sells you. And you kind of have to, right? Because if you wait till the project gets big, then all the early investors have already bought in. So you've got to take a gamble. You've got to take a risk and hope that the project you're picking is going to be the right one. You're hoping that the team is going to lead you to victory. And so often we see the case that the projects know this. They know that you know the only way to make money in NFT games is getting in early. So the bigger, the grander, the more elaborate of a pitch that they give you on that initial, the more likely you are to get in. And then once you get in, they've got their money. So again, it's not saying that they're scams. It's not saying that they're rug pulls. It's just saying that there's an inherent disconnect, an inherent difference between the objectives of a traditional game and an NFT game. With a traditional game, you, the customer, are demanding an awesome gameplay experience that is ready to go, that you can have fun, that you can enjoy. With an NFT game, you are accepting the fact that the gameplay is going to be, in most cases, quite lower than a traditional game. And you're also accepting the fact that there's really no demonstrable product that you're getting at the start. You are, and this is why I say NFT games are more an investment, because if it was a gameplay perspective, you would just wait till the game became popular and you'd say, you know what? Now the game's popular. It's awesome. I'm going to purchase in. The reason people don't do that is because NFT games, for the most part, 
are an investment. You are hoping that the team will develop the game. You're buying in early, getting these NFTs, and then hoping that as the game becomes more popular, you will sell them at a higher profit. There's a lot more I could go into with NFT games, of course. However, I do have to be careful what I say because this is not by any stretch financial advice, but rather just an illustration of the different goals and objectives between NFT games and traditional games. Something to consider if you're, if you're considering looking into it. But as always, I would like to thank you for watching the video. I hope you found it useful and I will see you next time.